Hey, it's Damien Barling. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and listening. Just a couple of quick notes before I hit that all-too-familiar theme music and we get going here on the day. I wanted to let you know that my new podcast, Relive, is available on podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. It's being added to new podcast platforms every single day. Now, the first episode is not up yet, and it won't be available until Wednesday, June 3rd, but I wanted to make sure that the platform was up and that you could subscribe uh, and that you could get ready for a podcast unlike anything I've ever done. Also, uh, there's a trailer available, and in the description of that trailer, I have a list of the entire uh, 12-episode first season. It includes The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 17. That is episode episode one and that episode is actually available for patreons right now at patreon.com slash Damian Barling also this season we'll cover Daniel Bryan at Wrestlemania 30 we'll cover uh, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at the very first Hell in the Cell match of course that had the debut of Kane uh, we'll just to talk about Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. We'll talk about the WCW match that happened on WWE television and changed the entire complexion of the WWE in what we now know as the roster split. All of that is coming up in season one of Relive. So uh, right here in your favorite podcast platform, the one that you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts right now, just keep listening. Don't hit stop. Uh, don't hit pause. Don't do anything. Just search Relive with Damian Barling. You'll see a beautiful logo with my name on it. And hit the subscribe button. And, you know, let's work on the honor system. Give me five stars. You're going to love this podcast. I promise. It's awesome. It's unlike anything I've ever done. I'm pretty proud of it. I can't wait for you to hear it. Uh, so search out Relive on Apple Podcasts right now. Hit the subscribe button, and we'll get going with that bad boy on June 3rd. Uh, unless, of course, you want to be a Patreon. Then we can get going on it right now. Patreon.com slash Damian Barley. Woke up quick at about noon. Now let's get going on the Daily Sports Podcast presented by Vibe Health Bar. Appreciate you so much for being here. Appreciate you for downloading streaming. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate your constant support. Here we are on Thursday, May 7th. And man, oh man, it looks like Major League Baseball is leading the way. There is news coming out of the NBA. There is news coming out of the NFL. Uh, there is quite a bit going on. And it seems that these organizations are getting closer and closer and closer to returning to sports. It, it, it seems like the window was cracked just a little bit in society, it seems that uh, state leaders across the country have just started to open the window a little bit, and the leagues have taken this, and they've started to run with it. Now, of course, the heads of these leagues, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and Adam Silver, and you know, Roger Goodell, you know, Rob Manfred, all of these guys, Vince McMahon, Dana White, they, they've been on conference calls with, with Donald Trump and other people uh, within the U.S. government. And so they may be privy to a little bit more information than we are. Uh, but it seems with phases of states reopening uh, or, or states reopening hitting the next phase uh, happening over the course of the next week, week and a half, uh, it seems that these sports organizations are like, okay, let's run with it. Let's start with the NFL. We know that the uh, the schedule is going to be released tonight. Uh, we'll cover that in depth tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not confident I'm going to sit down for a three-hour schedule release party. I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot else going on, but I, this, this is, this has always been a, this is one of the most baffling celebrations I think in sports because we do it in football. 
and we do it in basketball as well. We get really, really excited the day the schedule comes out. And, and it's so weird because in the NFL, you know, in the NBA, we know who you're playing every year. We don't know the particular days. By the time the schedules come out, the opening day game has usually been leaked already. And the Christmas day games have been leaked already. Those are always the biggest games of the year. All we're really waiting for in terms of marquee games are the primetime games, again, many of which are already leaked at the time, and the MLK Day games. Usually those are, are held a little bit tighter until, uh, until the schedule release party. Uh, but it's just a weird thing that we celebrate in sports. And it, I mean, I get it. It's fun. Uh, but in the NFL, like, you know, the schedule varies year to year. But we always know the division <laughs> in which teams are playing. But yet we're very excited for the schedule release party tonight. I guess it just means we're a step closer. I guess it just means we we, we feel like we're, you know, we're a step closer to, to getting this all done and to getting closer to the NFL and uh, getting back to, to, you know, to seeing our teams play football. And we'll find out who they play and when they play. Should all things go well, uh, we will get the 16-game schedule tonight. Again, I've... I've Research the best I could to, to, to the best of what it looks like. We're only getting a 16 game schedule uh, tonight and we won't get the 12 week abbreviated schedule or any other form of a schedule until the NFL feels that it may actually have to implement it. So in addition to the schedule release party tonight, uh, which is which is big news, it's fun. Uh, more serious news has come out of the NFL and that they have laid out protocols for the gradual reopening of their team facilities, uh, a process that would begin with select staff members. Uh, it would eventually expand to players, and uh, we would be getting closer and closer to being able to resume team activities. Uh, again, just as the NBA has, and, and, I'll, and I'll give Goodell credit for this, he hasn't tried to override the U.S. government, at least not that we're aware of, or at least not yet. Uh, he is he's he's working with what you know state and local uh, governments are ha- have in place in terms of their uh, stay at home restrictions. So he's he you know much like states do, Roger Goodell and the NFL have phases, and it, uh, the phases of protocol for the NFL begin on May fifteenth. So we'll start to see uh, the gradual reopenings. We'll, we'll, we'll start to see uh, teams being able to have, you know, in-person meetings. Now, you know, we haven't experienced, a, we know that there are NFL players who have uh, contracted the COVID-19 virus. We know Von Miller is one of them. I think the, was it the center for the Los Angeles Rams did as well? Uh, but, you know, there's no, team activities going on so you know past their personal health it's not you know it's not a big deal it's not a big deal for the league so the so the NFL hasn't had this patient zero situation and you know how they address address a patient zero situation will be something that we have to monitor over the course of you know I guess the next month and a half as these facilities start to open and and, and players start to you know, uh, get together or, or, or team officials uh, start to get together. Cause I, I think it's going to be a while before we actually see players at, at team facilities for the NFL. Uh, but according to the memo, the first group of employees uh, allowed back into the f- facility would include no more than 50%, 55, 0, 50% of non player staff and up to a total 
of 75 per day. Uh, the only players permitted to return to the facility uh, would be those who were already rehabbing injuries prior to the facility closure. Um, more uh, more guidelines outlined by Roger Goodell. Uh, he would receive uh, consent from state and local governments, meaning what the San Francisco 49ers do, what the Los Angeles Rams and Chargers do would be pretty much decided by Gavin Newsom, the state of California. I don't know how things like, like I, I assume what we're talking about, I assume that that's what we're talking about. Like the, uh, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys, they have that star. The, the, I think that's what their practice facility is called, the star. Well, they do a lot of training in Oxnard. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are consultants consulting the California state government. I think they're only consulting Texas, and they'll figure out what they're going to do moving forward as it pertains to a training camp and different things like that. Um, they, need to, they need to have enough cleaning supplies on hand. These are more uh, guidelines outlined by Roger Goodell. They need to create an infection response team. Okay. An infection response team that includes doctors and team athletic trainers. Okay. We also need to designate an infection control officer. They'll be the first point of contact for any employee who displays coronavirus symptoms. So the NFL, and I believe this is a mandate by the NBA as well. An infection control officer. Not sure where you send your resumes if you want to apply for that job, but it's a new one coming to, it appears, every sports league in the United States. An infection control officer. Uh, you need to also provide coronavirus safety and hygiene training. Coronavirus safety and hygiene training to all employees uh, who will return to the facility. Face coverings and physical distancing of at least six feet will be required for all employees as well. Gloves also will, also will be highly recommended. And the ICO that we just spoke of, the infection control officer, the ICO would provide information on coronavirus testing for suspected new cases. I guess that's, the, uh, I, I guess that's a, a, a key component right there, for suspected new cases. I read uh, just, just quickly last night that... I. I Dana White and the UFC have some like 1,200 tests, 1,200 coronavirus tests uh, heading into their their uh, their event that's, I can't believe it, but their event that's happening this weekend. A UFC fight that's happening uh, on Saturday night. We've got like some 1,200 tests to test everyone who who comes in. And, and, and you know, is... is Dana White's not my favorite, but how they handle this could be, you know, I, I, I guarantee you Roger Goodell is watching or someone within Roger Goodell's office is watching. Same with, uh, you know, Adam Silver and the commissioner's office of the NBA. Same with Major League Baseball. Probably the same with Vince McMahon and WWE as well. They're all kind of monitoring. Well, maybe WWE is not. They've been doing whatever they've wanted to this whole time. But they're monitoring how this first, how this first event goes. With, with the UFC, um, how many tests they have to use, and then they're going to have to monitor what happens in the weeks following. Is everybody healthy going in? Is everybody healthy coming out? Or, you know, I, I assume if there are any positive tests with those, I, I, I'm, again, this is all an assumption on my part that they have those 
um, those uh, quick quick results tests, the, the, the ones that uh, allow you to get results within the you know within the hour. I think it's as little as fifteen minutes. I assume that those are the tests that they're working with because those are the ones that would be beneficial for them uh, headed into an event. If you want to test employees walking into an arena or walking into a facility uh, to make sure that everybody is safe, uh, then that's the way to go. But there are going to be a lot of people watching this and watching how it goes. Uh, Roger Goodell, though, he couldn't help himself as a part of the memo. He included this little gem, and I quote, The past few months have been among the most uncertain times that any of us have experienced. It is impossible to project what the next few months will bring. Uh, Uninformed commentary that speculates on how individual clubs or the league will address a range of hypothetical contingencies serves no constructive purpose and instead confuses our fans, business partners, complicates the operations of other clubs, and distracts from the careful planning that is needed right now. We will continue to work in a deliberate and thoughtful way to plan for the 2020 season, including with today's schedule release, and we will be prepared to address any contingencies as they arise. Clubs should continue to direct questions and concerns to our office and not comment or speculate publicly. So while laying out all the guidelines of how the NFL is planning to return and how the NFL is, is planning to open up um, their training facilities, he couldn't help but include a lengthy paragraph that essentially says, please continue to shut the F up. Roger Goodell don't want nobody within the NFL talking about anything that pertains to the NFL. Remember before the draft, would he, you know, when he sent out that memo that said, "Hey, why don't you guys stop criticizing what we're doing? <laughs> why, why, why don't you guys stop giving your opinion? And, and, and unless you're going to say something positive, don't say anything at all." Remember that memo. This is essentially the same exact thing, which is difficult. It puts these players in a, in a you know, in a difficult position. I guess what the NFL, what they really should do is potentially just cut off all media for NFL players. It's the off season. There's nothing to talk about. Just, just put a mandate down on right now and say, Hey, you know, no media, no, no local radio uh, uh, appearances, no national appearances, you know, just no nothing until, uh, you know, until our season gets closer or until we get a better feel of what we're doing. You know, players have questions just like we do. You know, Roger Goodell doesn't want doesn't doesn't want players speculating. It doesn't want players saying what they think is going to happen with, you know, their lives. He he would prefer that we keep that type of stuff to ourselves. So I I I, I appreciated the way that the, the the memo was laid out. I appreciated you know the, the having to have mask and gloves and the different things as as team employees return to facilities. But I just couldn't help but you know get to that part of the memo. Like, come on, bro. You just can't, he like, he just can't help himself. Everybody's aware. We, we don't need a, we don't need an exclamation point as to how difficult the last few months have been. Bruh, we know. Look, we got it. But he, he, he wants to make sure his players know. Oh, and they are his players. Don't, don't, don't ever get that twisted. He wants to make sure that they know. Hey, don't, not, not necessarily don't talk about what we're doing. Just 
don't criticize what we're doing because it's really going to hurt my feelings. Let's move along to Major League Baseball. Again, there are some big things coming up this weekend as it pertains to 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 the to the return, if you will, to sports. Uh, Major League Baseball, and I, I guess they're leading the way. We've got the Korean Baseball League going on right now. That's you know that's on TV. We're all in on that, and now we've got the potential return of Major League Baseball and a potential uh, uh, return to Major League Baseball very very soon as. Uh, MLB expects to offer a return-to-play proposal to the Major League Baseball Players Association within a week as teams have begun to privately encourage players to prepare for a, quote, spring training that would begin uh, in the middle of next month and a season that would start in early July. I don't know, according to this article, there's a significant number of hurdles remain, and and some industry leaders believe that June and July return dates are a bit optimistic. Uh, The approval of ownership on a plan and dialogue about specifics with the union would mark two vital steps in baseball's return from the season. The season has been delayed, by the way, so far six weeks. So... I know that uh, if I'm, sh- I'm sure you have all read this as well, that general managers and managers from a number of teams in Major League Baseball, I think up to a dozen, uh, have reached out to players and suggested like, hey, I think we're getting closer to something. Uh, they've had conversations with agents as well and executives like, hey, I, I, I think we've got a plan. Uh, why don't, you know, start working out, start doing the things that you do, start, you know, making sure that you're in shape, you're pliable, you're ready to go because, you know, we, we, we may be running 100 miles an hour into a season uh, that begins in July. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to discount a six-week hiatus. Like, that's, that, that's a long time. But, you know, we did have spring training, didn't we? Like, there was baseball going on when everything, you know, shut down. Like, spring training was happening. So, it's not like these guys are going from off-season to regular season. Like, there are, there should be, at least I would hope there is, like, some you know, microcosm of ready for the season within all of these guys. But I understand, again, I don't want to minimize a six-week hiatus. Is a, it's, it's, it's a very long time. Uh, some teams have suggested players prepare for a spring training that would begin as early as June 10th and a season that would begin on July 1st. Again, this seems incredibly optimistic. Other teams um, haven't They've been a little bit more general in their timelines, just saying, hey, we may be back together in June. We may be having a season sometimes in July. You you know, back together in June could mean June 20th, and a season in July could mean July 30th. You know, that's a far cry from the specific dates that uh, some uh, ball clubs were telling that their players and were telling their agents and executives and things like that. Point is, baseball is trying to get their players uh, back into shape. Uh Baseball is trying to get their players ready to go for a season that might not be uh, too far away. Um, also, and, and, and I didn't know this, according to uh, this article I was reading, uh, there's already dozens of players uh, working out at team facilities around the country. So I, I didn't know that. I just I thought all team facilities across all sports were closed. Um, there's a belief that there's uh, there'll be you know the, the the Arizona thing, the you know the quarantined within the the Arizona area, and I think there was a 
there was a quarantine within the, uh, I, I say Arizona area. It's the state of Arizona, for goodness sakes, forgive me. You being quarantined within the state of Arizona. And then I, I think there was another one in Florida. And I think there were even rumblings about one uh, in, in like an area in Texas. It, it, I'm I'm anxious. Like I'd really like to see this. I like I, I'm actually looking forward to this, to seeing this. You know, baseball's re- return to return to playing plan. Because we hear so much speculation, and it, and it's you know we used this analogy before. League after league after league was just you know they were cooking spaghetti. They were taking it out of the pot and they were throwing it against the wall. And they were trying to see what stuck. They were trying to see what stuck with media. They were trying to see what stuck with us as fans, and they were trying to see, okay, which one of these has garnered the best reaction? Which one of these has garnered the least amount of you know, backlash? Which one of these could we actually realistically implement? Because we've already floated all of this crap out to the media, so we better figure out how we're going to do this. The one that seems to have gotten the most run was the Arizona run. The, the uh, you know, all 30 teams kind of being within a, uh, uh, an area within uh, uh, the, the state of Arizona. Um, I, I know that that's, that seems so far fetched to me though, but I mean, what do I know? 30 baseball teams in, in, in one state operating out of, you know, just a handful of stadiums. I mean, I know there's a lot of stadiums in Arizona, but damn, there's not 15. But I, you know, I thought the, you know, the, 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 the one, the other one with the three divisions, and I think the three divisions were the one that I think that was the one that I was just talking about that was localized within the three different states. Okay, that makes that one makes more sense to me. Like you have, you know, a certain number of teams in Arizona, you have a certain number of teams in Texas, and you have a certain number of teams in Florida. I think, you know, what we have to be aware of is, you know, the. You know, five game series in Boston, hop on a plane and and head to uh, New York or or Toronto. Yeah, that ain't happening. How does Toronto factor into all of this? I mean, they are a well. I guess if I I, I, guess, I guess they factor in that if they're a, if if they're quarantining, so to speak, uh, within one of these states, there there's never traveling. The point the the point I was trying to make before Toronto popped in my head was. It's we're not traveling from state to state. There aren't going to be any games at the Oakland Coliseum. There aren't going to be any games uh, at Dodger Stadium. You know, there are there's that's just not happening. And how does this, you know, again, now I have all of these like random questions. How does this affect like uh, local broadcasting? In the sense of uh, do like local TV crews, do they quarantine in Arizona as well? Do they call the games from like a home studio? And when I say a home studio, I, I, I don't mean like a literal studio inside their home. I mean, is there, you know, a, a, a television station that they drive to and they call, you know, a, a lot of games that you watch on an ESPN, particularly, uh, you know, less high profile games, not not necessarily. And, and I'm not talking about baseball or football or basketball, but you'll see, um, you know, there have been. Uh, women's college games. There have been men's college games, um, even some uh, college football games. They've been called from remote studio. They've been called from Bristol, Connecticut. The game might be in um, Charleston, South Carolina, but the game is being called in Bristol, Connecticut. So I wonder if that's how television crews are going to have to approach this. If, uh, you know, the, 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 there's a video feed of the game, but they're actually calling it from 
you know, wh- wh- you know, whatever home state they live in. And is there regional sports? Like, like, will you be able to watch uh, every A's game that's played, or will, will you be able to watch every you know Giants game that's played? Like, is, is that going to be a thing, or? You know, in order to minimize all of this, are we just going to get you know whatever Major League Baseball can put on you know either the Major League Baseball Network or or you know whatever's on ESPN at the time? Is, is that how this is moving forward? Again, there's a lot more questions than answers as uh, teams start to or leagues, excuse me, start to take their first steps into returning to sports, and it and, and it feels like a returning to competitive action, and it feels like Major League Baseball uh, they're going to be first up. Obviously, the, the, the NFL is a ways away, and now that brings us to the NBA. Uh, in addition to training facilities opening up tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, they open up on Friday, they open up tomorrow, uh, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts. Michelle Roberts is the National Basketball Players Association Executive Director. They're set to host a call with all players on Friday. So... Again, those steps are being taken. Um, and now I think a little bit more has come out about uh, about the return to training facilities, about the, the, the reopening of training facilities. And, and here's this line uh, that was kind of thrown into this article about the call uh, that's going on tomorrow with the uh, commissioner of the NBA and Michelle Roberts. Um, quote, teams... Opening practice facilities for volunteer workouts will be able to designate six assistant coaches or player development personnel to provide uh, supervision of player workouts uh, on the courts. Um, Head coaches will not be allowed to participate or observe the player workouts. Okay, now that it's public, I can tell you this. This was the this was the point that I was making that was wrong about the memo. Uh, I was told like immediately that 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 part of the memo was wrong. The way it was framed to me is that front row coaches cannot be a part of the workout. Obviously, head coaches, the chief assistant coach, any coach that sits on the front row cannot be a part of the workout, but the second row coaches can. I was told that the day the memo was released, I was told that that was the part that Woj got wrong That that Woj got wrong, and that coaches would be able to be a part of it. And that's why we talked about, you know, there are a lot of, I was trying to allude to it without saying it because the way it was told to me was it was was told in a way of well it's not public so let's you got to be careful how you you know address this. So that now this makes significantly more sense it won't be De'Aaron Fox in a Golden 1 center uh shooting jump shots and having to chase down his rebound. There'll be coaches there uh and player development coaches there to work them out there just won't be head coaches there nor will there be like the head assistant, like the lead assistants uh, will not be there as well. Uh, but the back row coaches will be there. The player development coaches will be there. So players will be able to get workouts, essentially, you know, one on zero workouts. Uh, they'll be able to get workouts in with a, uh, uh, you know, w- w- with the trainer, with the coach and different things like that. Uh, but there will be no practices. This isn't a mini camp. This isn't, you know, this, this, it's a st- if if each league is taking a step to getting back to competitive sports, this is the babyest of baby steps for the NBA. Like it's it's this this isn't a mini camp. This isn't anything of that sort. It's just okay. The facilities are open, and we're allowing players 
uh, to work out. As far as opening up on Friday, we know that the Portland Trailblazers are going to open up, the Denver Nuggets are going to open up, and the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to open up. They've all told ESPN that they plan to reopen on Friday, while several teams uh, have said they hope to open next week. Uh, the Rockets in Houston, they had planned to open their facilities on Friday as well, but they can reconsidered uh, in collaboration with players and staff as well as the uh, Texas governor. Uh, the Texas governor has a directive for gyms not to open until May 18th. Now, it's cool that the Houston Rockets want to go along with that, but let's not pretend that the Houston Rockets training facility is a gym. Very much is not a gym. However, it's nice to hear that the Rockets, you know, talked with the players and asked them, I, I assume the conversation was, hey, what are you comfortable with? Uh, what do you guys want to do? How do you guys want to approach this? I think I saw a May 16 day for uh, the Clippers. So if, if I understand that correctly, that would also mean the Lakers. And I don't know how that pertains to the state of California. If it's May 16th for the Lakers and the Clippers, does that also mean that it's May 16th for the Warriors and the, and the, and the Kings? And are the Warriors even going to, are they even going to bother with this? You know, I wonder, like, you know, as, as this stuff starts to happen, and again, if it's a step, this is the babiest of steps. Does Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, do those guys just get on the phone and be like, hey, like, for, for right now, like, don't, even, don't worry about it. Whatever you're doing, is, is just consider this your offseason. Uh, continue to work as you would normally work. And can guys like Steve Kerr, and, and even, you know, the, it, because, you know, we talked about this yesterday. We also talked about this on the, the Sacramento Kings podcast uh, that I posted yesterday. So if you're a Kings fan, go check out the Sacramento Kings fan, uh, the Sacramento Kings podcast presented by Hoopball. Um, I'm pimping a lot of stuff here today between the, between the Relive link going live on, on Apple Podcasts and New Kings podcast and Patreon, man. I'm I'm really working my salesman side here, uh, but can can like Steve Kerr and and you know we t we talked about teams like you know Warriors are out of it. They're they're gone. We know the Hawks aren't interested in any of this. The Hawks are like yeah, it's cool. We'll we'll <laughs> we're gonna we're not really gonna operate off of what the NBA says. We're gonna kind of operate off of what our state government says. And truthfully, it doesn't really matter because we ain't going to the playoffs. Can they get some directive? Can teams like that, teams that aren't in the playoffs, including Sacramento, can they get a, you know, can 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 Vlade or Vivek or someone call Adam Silver or Carl Marcel Roberts or call someone within the league office and say, hey, can you can you kind of tip us off a little bit? Like, we, we know you don't have a definitive plan for a return to action, but where are you leaning? Are you leaning in a playoff teams only Return to action. Are you leaning towards a five-game regular season? A ten, like, what are you leaning towards so we can figure out how to map out our our, our next few weeks? Because if you know, if if I'm the if I'm the Warriors, I'm the Hawks. I don't want to return at all. There's there's no there's absolutely no positive for them coming back and playing, even if they're even it's even if it's suggested to do five regular season games. There's no benefit in them returning. But if I'm Sacramento, it's like, oh, like, okay, we're right. That like, if we're doing five regular season games, like we've got to take this seriously. But if we're doing none, then like, 
there's there's no point. Like like we're 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 stressing out and we're we're getting concerned over, uh, you know, returning to play when we're not going to return to play. We're going to wind up missing the playoffs by three and a half games. So I wonder if the league will you know start to kind of give those teams a heads up. And I'm sure they're I'm sure they're concerned about doing that. I'm sure they're concerned about you know tipping off you know, organizations about what direction they might be leaning. Even, and that's, a, of course, that's me assuming they even have a direction to lean in right now. Uh, but I assume they're, they're, they're uncomfortable with, with tipping them off because, you know, as so happens, uh, as so frequently happens, the plans will get leaked. You know, somewhat like, you know, even, even if it's accidentally, you know, Luke Walton could be given an interview to The Athletic or, or Vivek or, or, or Buddy Heald or, or a player or someone, well, yeah, since we're not going to make the playoffs, we're not going to return. And then suddenly you have, you know, Sam Amick investigating like, oh, like, do, does, does, do they know that non-playoff teams are returning? And suddenly, you know, this idea that they were trying to keep secret now suddenly becomes public before they were ready to announce it. I mean, and, I, and I get it. Those, those types of things happen. But again, if I'm one of those teams who are, and, and I don't feel for the teams that are way outside the playoff picture like Golden State or Atlanta. Like, if you have to come back and suffer through five regular season games, I mean, whatever. You play your G League, guys. It's not that. It's, it's not the end of the world. Uh, but for the Kings, it's tough because it's like, well, we've got to come back and we have to, you know, we were playing really good basketball before the season ended. And we have to play our absolute best basketball for the next five games, and maybe if we can, maybe if we can nudge the the uh, the league to give us a game against Memphis, I assume that that wouldn't happen because Memphis wasn't on the schedule anymore for Sacramento. At least I don't think they were. I think all of the games against the Grizzlies had wrapped up. And even if there is, there, there's one. It's not like there's four. So the Kings have to go out there, and with East Patch, oh, we won, they lost. Oh, okay, we got to play even better the next day. So the you know the mindset is so 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 different. And, it, and, and those are the teams that are really at a difficult spot because if you're, if you're the Clip, Clippers or the Lakers, if you're any of the 16 playoff teams, it's, okay, we're either preparing for the playoffs or the season ends. There's no in-between for us. For teams like the Kings, there's an in-between. There's, uh, well, if they're preparing for the playoffs, then our season is over. Uh, if they're preparing for a short regular season return, okay, then we've got business to attend to, or the whole season is canceled. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult spot for those teams right on the cusp. I think, you know, technically, as you know, mathematically speaking, you know, Washington is right on the cusp as well in the, in the Eastern Conference. I think that they're a smidge bit, you know, they have a significantly worse record, but they're a smidge bit further out than... than um, then Sacramento is of the eighth spot. They're a smidge bit further out of that eighth spot in in uh, the Eastern Conference than than the Kings are. But still, like they're 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 within striking distance. Sure, with you know eighteen games left or sixteen games left or however many games were left in the season, it's it's still a you know it's 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 a long shot, but it's still it's a shot. It's a shot, and the Kings had it, and so it, it's. <laughs> There's no there's no playbook for this. So how all of this is handled, is, man, there's gonna there could be a lot of legacies to find uh, in terms of uh, NBA commissioners, uh, Major League Baseball commissioners, commissioners of sports uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, how teams choose to handle this, uh, the you know obviously you know uh, Adam Silver was commended for the immediate you know shutdown 
of the NBA season. Um, Roger Goodell, this isn't something that he's been faced with. Roger Goodell is actually, I don't feel like he's had to navigate anything here through all of this uh, other than Roger Goodell has only had to navigate a bunch of what ifs. He hasn't actually had to implement a strategy. You know, he's not like the NHL and major uh, uh, the NBA where they had to shut down a season. Hell, Major League Baseball had to do it too. Best day of Major League Baseball got canceled. You know, so like like Roger Goodell hasn't had to navigate anything. He's had to navigate questions, and he's tried to shut all questions down by telling everyone, "Hey, don't don't say anything. Don't don't speak about the league. Don't don't criticize the draft if you don't like the draft. Don't you know? Don't criticize it." Don't criticize the the opening of facilities. Don't speculate on what the league is going to do. And I guess just sit back and enjoy uh, a three-hour <laughs> three schedule release party tomorrow uh, on ESPN and the NFL Network. Uh, speaking of, I, I know, did you, get, did you see the Brett Favre story? I meant to bring this up on, I think it was like Monday or Tuesday where I first came across it. I meant to bring it up, and it, it's developed like slightly over the course of the next last few days it's it's an odd story Brett Favre uh, received 1.1 million dollars in welfare funds for work he never performed so what it's like he was he was paid by organizations million for speaking engagements, autograph signings, and, you know, stuff of that sort, personal appearances that he didn't do. Like, he never never did them. And so there was an audit that was done, and and they discovered this this $1.1 million worth of work or worth of money for work not done. And, I you know, I read the initial article like, this is weird. Like, in a, I don't pretend to understand what it's like to have the amount of money that I assume Brett Favre has. Uh, so if $1 million sneaks into your account, you don't notice? I believe it. Like, when you get to a certain number of millions, you know, maybe you don't notice when it goes up an extra million. Maybe you're not regularly checking your bank statement. Hell, most of his money, and, and I would think this is the case, I would hope this is the case for most professional athletes, most of their money actually isn't cash. Like, it's not liquid. Like, it's often, you know, the market, it's often investments, it's off doing a variety of other things, working to earn more money. But if you, you know, keep a few mil in the bank account and an extra million pops up, maybe you don't know how it got there. I can kind of believe that. Uh but I don't know that Favre. <laughs> I don't know that Favre has that kind of money. I think I'm sure Brett Favre is set for the rest of his life. I'm sure everybody associated with Brett Favre and his family and his grandkids and his grandkids' grandkids. I'm sure that they're set for the rest of their life. It's just like, hey, a million dollars popped up into the account, and hmm. I certainly didn't do a speaking engagement for it. I certainly didn't do an autograph signing for it. And that's that's but that and I think that's the concern is. He has a million plus dollars on the books for work he didn't do, but it's attributed to work that he did. It's attributed to autograph signings. It's attributed to speaking engagements. And so uh, he wrote like, I think he, he wrote like a $500,000 check uh, uh, for repayment uh, to these companies to say, oh, like, uh, yeah, basically my bad. 
And Favre released this very lengthy statement about all of the work that he does uh, for those organizations and, uh, you know, how he's, you know, proud of his, you know, Brett Favre uh, foundation and, and those sorts of different things. And it was a very mansplaining type statement. And he even, you know, he even got the thumbs up from the Mississippi Department of Human Resources saying, I want to applaud Mr. Farr for his good faith effort to make this right and make the taxpayers and the TANF families whole. TANF is the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families. Like, okay, uh, so that's it? Like, we're not going to look a little bit further into this to figure out how money was funneled to Brett Favre from an organization? We're not... We're not going to ask any questions. We're just going to like take his word on it. I, I I mean, I guess if a, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably overreacting because I'm bored. But I, I read the story Monday and I thought, God, this is a weird story. Like Brett Favre is being audited, which that's not weird. People get audited all the time. I've been audited more times than I ever care to acknowledge. But... No, I mean, I've, it, I don't know. This, 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 it, it just felt weird. It felt kind of gross. And, uh, again, I get it. Probably, probably overreacting. Uh, just because there aren't any sports happening doesn't mean you can't gamble. Uh, there's all sorts of odds going up at Vegas uh, about NFL rookies, including Joe Burrows. Joe Burrows poised for uh, a massive passing yard season. Uh, you can place your bets right now. Um, there was a, I, did y'all see the Earl Thomas situation? If, if, if y'all didn't see the Earl Thomas situation, go ahead and uh, Google Earl Thomas right now, and I will tell you the first article that comes up. Uh, it's the one about his uh, wife catching him cheating and how she responded to him, which was pointing a gun to his head. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think I'm done, man. I'm kind of stalling for time trying to figure out, like, I, is there anything left to talk about? Like, I have, I've hit on all my notes. I have a note here about the Undertaker documentary, which starts on, uh, which starts on Sunday. But I did that yesterday. Like, I, I managed to segue from the 30 for 30s into the Undertaker documentary. Uh, so I guess I could, you know, repeat that the, the Relive podcast is available for you. I mean, sort of. The link is available. Uh, go to Apple Podcast, search Relive, uh, hit the subscribe button, rate and review uh, just like you did this show. Again, the first episode doesn't come out for June 3rd. The reason it's posted so early is I didn't expect it's, it's Apple. I, I've posted a lot of podcasts, as you are all probably painfully aware of. And this is the quickest that Apple has ever approved them. And I don't know what the rhyme or reason is for, you know, the time frame in which Apple approves podcasts and put it, puts it up, you know, into the Apple podcast library. But I remember when we started this podcast, it, it took forever. It took like, a, like when we started the podcast, it wasn't available on Apple. It took freaking forever. Um, and then finally it, you know, it goes up and it's, and it's available. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be ahead of everything. Uh, I'm going to get the, the, you know, the podcast uh, submitted. Uh, I'm going to get it, you know, uh, put up on my host site, and then I'm going to get submitted to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You know, radio.com tends to take a long time. I'm going to make sure that it gets out everywhere. Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play all approved it within like 20 minutes. 
and it was live on their site. It's like, okay, it's cool. Apple Podcast approved it in like a, it wasn't even, I think it was like a day and a half. It might not even have been a full day. It's like, oh, it got approved already. It's like, okay, I guess I'll start sending out the link. Cause I think 90%, maybe it's like 88, but it's a large, large number of the people who listen to this podcast listen through an Apple service, whether it's Apple Podcast or they're listening to one of the other podcast platforms like Spotify or radio.com, but they're listening to it on their Apple device. So most people who listen to my podcast, at least, are Apple users. Uh, so it was a big deal to get it. Uh, you know, I wanted to make sure when that podcast launched that it was approved by, it, it was approved and it was up and it was on Apple Podcast. Well, it took less than a day, so now it's just sitting there for the next week. Or next month. Wrong button. I meant to hit that one. I've added all sorts of different... I started the... Uh, I started the um, the King's podcast with with uh, I've added all sorts of I have this this device that has these like hot key buttons on it and I started the King's podcast with Behold the King old Triple H music the King of Kings it fits right Kings King of Kings no and I love Bray Wyatt's music or this, I guess this is technically the Fiend's music this music is so good. I've been goofing around a lot with music lately because I've been working on these different podcasts and these different things for uh, the Patreon account. So if you want to become a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. We're going to do the first video show. The first video podcast is going to be available for all Patreon users on Monday. Uh, the first episode of our weekly wrestling podcast, our our weekly current product wrestling podcast is going to start on Tuesday. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash Barling or go to DamienBarling.com and click the orange Become a Patreon button. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and I think more specifically, thank you so much for putting up with me today. Greatly appreciate it. Don't feel like I was particularly sharp. Uh, it felt like I was overly concerned about a, a couple of things that are going on around me. Again, I'm waking up at like 5 in the morning. You know, it's 6.40 and the podcast is done. And not that I'm not digging this schedule, because... You know, right now I'm about to throw some shoes on, take the girls out for a walk, come back, get a little workout in, and then I start working on all of the other podcasts I'm doing. So I'm, I'm kind of digging the schedule so far. It's just like it's happening, happening accidentally. I'm, I'm, I, and I sleep great through the night from like, because now you guys are just being my therapist. I sleep from like, say like 11 to 5, and I sleep solid. But then at 5 o'clock, it's like, oh, hey, time to get up. Let's roll. So let's do that now. Let's roll. Again, appreciate you as always for listening. We'll see you here tomorrow, assuming you're going to come back from the disaster that was this show. Uh, we'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.